Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello and welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network and thanks for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time and nine-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the programs assistant at Breast Friends of Oregon. And when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink, which is not very often, but I do my best. So today I'm actually really excited because my guest is from kind of a whole different side of breast cancer. His name is Will Eberhardt. He was a 2021 ambassador for the Real Men Wear Pink campaign for the American Cancer Society. We met last fall at an event hosted by um, a local gym here in Tigard, Oregon, Fit Alliance. They were doing a an event and a fundraiser for us. And since I've never met a stranger, Will and I started talking. And he had on his Real Men Wear Pink sweatshirt. And I was like, I just assumed that Will had been through breast cancer and we all know what happens when you assume. And I was like, oh my gosh, you've got to be on my show. And it was just like, oh yes. And we just connected and chatted. And so he's here today. And a few weeks ago when I was connecting with him to say, hey, it's about time. And I kind of wrote out some questions. I had just assumed that he had had breast cancer. Nope. Will chose to become an advocate and promote awareness for men who have gone through this just because he has the heart to serve and which to me made a much more compelling story. So I, I really want to talk about that today and why he did that and so much. So Will, thank you again for being here today. So thank you. You're far too kind. Well, no, I, I think it's great. So tell us a little bit about yourself personally, professionally, all, all the good stuff. Personally, um, there's nothing more important than that title of dad. I am the father of two young men who are currently 14 and 20. Um, and it's the most important thing to me. Uh, you know, I'm a lot of things. I'm a golfer, I'm a photographer, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an academic, I'm so many things, but none more important than that of dad. And of course, son, right? Can't be a dad if you aren't a son. <laughs> I love that. And wow, you've, you see, so you got one who's graduated out of the teenage years, thankfully, and one who's still in there, which can be challenging. I've got an 11 year old tomorrow, he turns 11. And then I have four older stepkids, 17 to 20, 23. So I've, I've been through some of the teen angst and I'm, I'm ready for it again. <laughs> Taking all the advice and happy birthday to your soon to be 11 year old. Yes. We're actually traveling this weekend to go visit his best friends in Phoenix, Arizona. So I'm getting ready for the heat. Um, nice. So I kind of want to talk about your background and growing up, because I think that really is where, where your heart to serve comes from. We were talking about it a little bit and I know a bit about it, but you, you had basketball hoop dreams. That was what really kind of propelled you as a child, but your parents were really like, let's also get you educated because it's having an education will literally give your life so many opportunities. And so you went on to go to Columbia university and studying sociology, which is one of what was part of my major as well. I love the, just the study of humans and why they do things. It's, it's fascinating actually. And so now you went through all that and you are now a successful entrepreneur, you, you marketing and so many other things. And your motto, which I've read is perseverance is key. And where did that come from? 
You know, honestly, even to back the story up a little bit, I was born to teen parents. You know, my mom was 17 when she had me the day before her her 17th birthday. Um, my dad was 19. And it's, it's you know, you, you, when you don't have very much, it's easy to get derailed or distracted by the shiny things that may promise a quick and easy fortune, right? Or a quick and easy outcome. And although my parents were young, they just believed if you were educated, you had an opportunity to succeed, right? And so we put our best foot forward, no matter what we go through, we continue pushing on. And it became this mantra for life. Things, life has its ups and downs and you can't control them. But how you respond to those ups and downs, you can control. And I just knew, I learned as I was going through life, things weren't always working out the way I wanted, right? I wanted to go to the NBA. That was plan A, B, C, one through 11 team. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I got to stop you there. Who's your team? Because you grew up in New York, but you moved out West. No team. I grew up as a Bulls fan because I got to see a representative of an individual who was, who is the GOAT. GOAT. I mean, you got to love MJ. (laughs) <laughs> That's absolutely. And he looked like me. Right. So, you know, my parents only watched three teams. I only thought I thought there were only four teams growing up, the, the Knicks, <laughs> the Celtics, Detroit and the, and the Lakers. And I'm like, wait a minute, who's this other guy with, with, you know, we have one television. So but at today, I love the game so much that I don't have a team and I just I support the individuals who I have relationships with or who I recognize their talent and greatness. And that's who I root for. So I can watch a game without any, any bias whatsoever. Just appreciate the game itself. Like I grew up during (laughs) Showtime, like magic was, magic was my man. And (laughs) I was actually at Kobe's 81 point game in LA because I used to live in LA. And it was funny because then I moved up here to Portland. And when I moved here, one of my requirements for cities where I lived was that they had to have an NBA team. And so my husband and I will still try to get to the Lakers Blazers game. And we're like the house divided on those days. (laughs) That's definitely a cantankerous environment in there. It's it's not not nice. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sorry, I totally, I squirreled the question. So I'll let you get back to, to your story. (laughs) No, it's fine. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So, yeah, when, when having two parents who who just promoted education, right, education as 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 a way out, as an opportunity, I was I'm young and I, I love this game. So this game is going to be my vehicle because I see guys who are traveling, going across, going abroad, going everywhere, even leaving the state, which didn't happen. I didn't get on a plane until I was 17, until I was 19 years old on my way mm-hmm. to college, you know, just because we couldn't, we didn't have that affordability. But ironically enough, basketball led me to Columbia University. My mother got a job. She's been a lifelong admin. She got a job with two professors whom she worked for at the Legal Aid Society. And one of them was was an alum. Um, And they started this clinic, this law clinic that had been going on and asked her to come along. So now here's an opportunity that affords me a free education if I'm accepted, but at least pays for half of my education because college wasn't promised, right? Now, the irony, the, the ultimate irony is there were three Ivy League graduates in my apartment building. And my apartment building was 13 floors with an average home size of about four or five to the tune of 25,000 just in my building. And I did the math one day. Oh, my so, gosh. Yes. Just think about that. And, and then again, right, we're, we're not 
we, we weren't in the lap of luxury to have three Ivy League graduates. One was a neighbor across the hall. The other one was two floors down. And it's just, it's uncanny if you think about it for people of color, black individuals in East Harlem to have this opportunity of, of higher academic achievement. And it's never been lost on me. Um, and even, you know, love golf. Golf doesn't necessarily love me. <laughs> but the beauty of golf is sometimes something's going to happen on the course you didn't anticipate or you did and you have to figure out a way, right? And it's a metaphor for life. What do you do? Do you throw your clubs in the water and say, oh, to, you know, to hell with it? Do you snap your clubs in a fit of rage? Do you give up and never come back again? No, you figure out a way to make it happen. So what it may take you an extra two strokes, or in my case, an extra seven, it doesn't matter, right? You're out there to enjoy the journey and enjoy the time that you have in the moment. And when it came to my business and trying to figure out a name, I wanted something that represented me, represented my fortitude, the fortitude of my family, the fortitude of, of so many people who came before me. And perseverance was the word that stuck out. Even my academic career, my academic path wasn't traditional. I went to junior college chasing a, gene, a dream, a, a hoop dream. I came back and was academically dismissed because I, basketball was eluding me, right? It was, it was this thing that was slipping away and I lost interest. And so in all of those instances, I had to do something in order to respond. And being academically dismissed from, from Columbia University and because I didn't keep up my end of the bargain, Mm -hmm. I was then given an option, go get, take four classes, no ads, drops or withdrawals and get a B or better. And then you can come back. Well, I did it. And I did it in five years instead of the four years I was given because life happened. I had a son in the meantime, I'm trying to figure out working. I'm still playing basketball and I come back and have to start the process all over again because they're like, Hey, you were supposed to do this in five years. I was like, but I never read, I never read the letter down that far. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you made it through because that's what had been instilled in you by your parents in terms of this is where you're going to go and the inner drive that you had to persevere. So I love that your business is perseverance marketing, correct? Right. That is correct. You, you can't give up. You can't give up. Life isn't easy all the time, but you no. have to push through it. No one I know ever gets the path that they had intended. I, I never thought, oh, I'm going to not be a mom until I'm 41 and then get breast cancer a year later. Oh, and then get breast cancer again, another four years later. I mean, what the hell? Like life, life just, just throws you curveballs left and right. And it's how you react, which is really shows the testament of the person that you are. Um, and I kind of want to jump into today, how you became an advocate for male breast cancer and what, what started you on that journey? First and foremost, um, me being an advocate wasn't, it's never about me. Um, someone asked me to join and recognize that I would probably be a good ambassador. Uh, but even more than that, I bow down, I salute, praise, and uplift, uplift and support all those who have been through a journey that is life-threatening, um, that is arduous, um, that questions that brings into question your your level of ilk right there are times when you go through things and, and and some of us weaker individuals who go through a cold or something and probably cold is a bad analogy based on where we're coming off of but 
they have these things that aren't as severe and aren't as as serious and you know the sky is falling but there are real people out there who have real problems and i have childhood friend who you know he's a survivor he battled um leukemia and he had he had an acute lymph lymph lymphocytic leukemia growing up um he's my son my eldest son's godfather I've I've had aunts and cousins. Um, I have an aunt who has who's had a double mastectomy. Um, I've I've had cousins who have had varying forms of leukemia, but I was too young to understand what was going on and only heard just portions of it, and then you know ignorantly made up our own assumptions of what it meant. So we've all been affected by cancer in some way. Mm-hmm. And so when I was asked to be an ambassador, it was a no brainer for me because it was a way for me to, to help, right? It was a way for me to lend support from a position where I can broadcast or help evangelize the message of this needed support system in order to eradicate this horrible disease. Um, and so it was obvious, you know, right away, it was, the answer was yes, I would absolutely do it. And I didn't even know what, what, what it entailed. Was, oh, you have to raise some, okay, I, I don't know. And you wear pink for 30 days through October. The details didn't matter, you know, the overall message did. Well, I, I, I applaud what you do. And we, we briefly had a conversation before we jumped on the show here, talking about giving back and how you you had a real because I'm like wow you just have the heart to give back and the heart to serve and you're like oh let's talk about that a little bit so talk about that <laughs> please well when you grew up the way I grew up you aren't giving very much you aren't given an opportunity um, I remember hearing the statistics a young black male in inner city New York during the 80s had a 20% survival rate for to make it to the age of 15. Oh. And then at 15, it became 18. At 18, it became 21. At 21, it became 25. So I remember just getting to 25. I was like, oh, I made it. And things should be fine, right? But again, I was a non-traditional student. So at 25, I'm I'm, I'm just about to finish college. I'm, I'm coming back in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's, what the world entails, but I've seen so much death and despair at my door that the idea of, giving something back that it was never given to me, right? The idea of returning something that was never given to me, it, it doesn't resonate with me. Mm-hmm. However, because I understand the, the question and I understand the intention of the question, the idea of being a steward of individuals who look like me, right? Being an ambassador for individuals who look like me, who come from where I come from and showing them there is an opportunity to do something on the other side, right? There is an opportunity to get out of, of this place where we're in. There is a trajectory is what I try to do. And mainly for the two young men who, whom I am responsible for. And it's so in your case, like we said, it's not so much giving back, but you are giving of your time, which is, is one of our most precious commodities. And I think that's pretty amazing. And we're going to talk about it a little bit more, but I know that you are also and have been teaching your sons this as well. And they, they are fortunate to grow up. I'm assuming with more than what you had. And that's always our hope for our children is to give them more than what we have without them being entitled, which right now is really hard. Um, 
in today's day and age with technology and computers in our hands, but I, it's so, it's so important. And I didn't realize how important until I, after I went through this myself. So I, I've been reaching out to find something for my son and I to volunteer to do because he doesn't want it. He's 11. He doesn't want to talk about breast cancer. So we've reached out to a youth charity organization to start doing stuff. So, but there's so much more that I do want to talk about. We are going to take a short break. So listeners, if you would like to help out breast friends, you can make a donation on our website or by texting BF radio to 41444 to ensure that no one goes through cancer alone. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444. Or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. I'm Claire Paxman, brand ambassador for Paxman Scout Cooling. Through my mom, I experienced the detrimental impact that hair loss during cancer treatment can have on someone's sense of identity. I am passionate in spreading the word about how scalp cooling can help those going through chemo treatment to retain hair and to gain a degree of control at this most difficult time in their lives. Listen in to the Breast Friends Cancer Support Network Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, March the 2nd, 2022, and hear more about how you can address this devastating side effect. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle, and my guest today is Will Everhart from Perseverance Marketing. And we're talking about when, when, while, it's the beauty of my brain not working all the time. He was an ambassador in 2021 for the American Cancer Society Real Men Wear Pink campaign. So, Will, what did that entail? Once you said yes, what, what did they ask you to do? Well, the primary goal was to raise a minimum of $2,500 um, and to be present, right? Um, and of course, the culmination is to bring awareness during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is October, as we all know, um, to wear pink every day. So I committed to wearing pink in some form. And again, I'm a Harlem kid, right? So pink is in my wardrobe. 
Uh, I was like, oh, this sounds great. This sounds like Thursday. <laughs> and that was really it, um, you know, and, and just be able to have the conversation and, and be able to evangelize the need for support. Did they give you training? Because while you've grown up with, you know, breast cancer and various other cancers, did they tell you what to talk about when you're out there doing your sales pitch and your, your fundraising? No, I think they left it really organic um, because primarily some of the individuals have like, again, you know, we, we all have had some level of experience or exposure to breast cancer or cancer in itself. And as I learned going through the process, there was an individual who was a survivor, right? Um, and I think he had been in remission for six years. He's a DJ um, by night and he also has a day job, but just getting to meet Kevin and hearing his story, it was, it was eye-opening and I had no idea, um, but there was no training. It was, it, was, it was just, I don't wanna say simply, it was just this, but it was more along the lines of evangelize from your, your soul point of view okay. um, and, and allow American Cancer Society and, and Real Men Wear Pink to be the platform in order to do so. Now, do you feel that it was more challenging to be raising money as a male for male breast cancer because it's such a predominantly female disease? No, not at all. And, and, and here's the irony. And I, I, I spoke to my mother about this a little while ago. You know, we go through things as children and we often ask parents like, hey, do you remember what was going on at this time? And because you think it was just you, right? But as a 10 year old, I personally, um, you know, you're in school and you're hearing teachers talk about just the, the testing for lumps and you're under arms when talking to females and then talking to males and talking about testicles. And I just remember one day washing up in front of the sink and touching something under my left, my left underarm and it being really, really sore. And I knew that there was something wrong. I couldn't even put deodorant on it because it was that sore and it was kind of pronounced. And um, she immediately took me to, to, our, to, to my pediatrician mm -hmm. and Dr. Marjani, who I love. And Certain I, people just make an impact that you remember them 40 years later. Absolutely, right? There's, there's an individual who's seen me, you know, uncovered for the first 15 years of my life. Right? <laughs> so, and, and my mom remembered and she's like, yeah. And I said, you, and, and they didn't know what was going on. And one of the things that I heard as a 10 year old was it might be breast cancer. To now think about this 10 year old mind of this young male growing up in a masculine society, hearing you may have breast cancer. So many things went through my mind. Does this mean that I'm turning into a woman? Does this mean that I, I have female tendencies, right? All of these things that counteract with the social norm is. And, and I remember being fearful, you know, well, how, do I, yeah. how do I handle the, the, the embarrassment of having this female thing going on with my body, right? Very ignorant at the time, but, and then on, on top of that, cancer. Right. Which, and then I'm sure the question in your head is like, am I going to die? Is like the biggest question and, or, but at 10, I, the embarrassment and the shame might've been more than the, I'm going to die fear. I don't know. Yeah. But it comes hand in hand, right? Because there's so many unanswered questions and, and mostly what happens is like you go into break and you say, no one should have to go through cancer alone. 
But the first thing that we do is we internalize because this is a thing, this is a me problem. And I don't want anybody to know because I'm ashamed. And I was ashamed. So I didn't tell any of my friends. Many of the people who are listening who know me are going to hear this story for the first time. And I mean, who've known me my entire life, my entire life. So going through that, it always, it sticks with me, right? It, it's, it resonates with me because I know where I was in that space. And fortunately, it wasn't any form of cancer. But again, you know, it was only three years later where I have a friend in the neighborhood who's today one of my best friends who has gone through a bout of, of leukemia and, and went through radiation and everything else, right? So it's not to say that it was far off, but that in itself was enough to propel me personally to say, hey, I have no problem stepping up and being supportive, right? Because I have not forgotten where I was as a 10 year old young man, little boy standing in front of the mirror, scared to death mm-hmm. about what the possibilities were or could be. That's, that's pretty impactful. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I, I know how personal of a story that was. And um, thank you for using this as a forum to talk about the, the emotions of that. I appreciate it. So while you were doing this, how, how did you go about fundraising since I mean, you're obviously a successful entrepreneur, you know, you know how to do your job and, and you're a good seller, but how did you, how did you do it for the campaign? I'm saying to admit that I, I didn't do much. I did two things. Obviously we're in a pandemic, so mm-hmm. there, there wasn't very much, very many places we could go. So I took it digitally. Um, I joined a business networking group in middle of 2020. And when I started fundraising was about a year after in 2021. And so I just amassed all of the emails of the context that I had come across um, through, through that business group and sent out an email blast and said, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what I'm doing. Would love your support. That totaled about 350 emails. So I made 350 contacts throughout a pan- and, and throughout the pandemic when I couldn't get outside and couldn't leave the house, right? None of us could. And so that was one. And then you start hearing the stories and you don't know, right? Oh, hey, my mom is, is a survivor. She's been battling for X amount of years. Or, hey, you don't know, but I, right? There's so many stories that started to come up by virtue of me simply saying, hey, here's what I'm doing. You know, I would love your support if you're able. And it, it opened my eyes to, again, understanding people go through things that they don't necessarily wear on their sleeves, but have some commonality. And then the other thing I did, I went to my personal network. I went to Facebook and I, you know, if you watch the social network, they, Zuckerberg says that he took Facebook to, to Stanford. That's not true. It came to Columbia. I remember being on the internet outside of the classroom, logging on to rate the females uh, <laughs> on campus because that's how it started. So mm-hmm. I went to Facebook and I probably have about 500 to 1,000 1, connections on Facebook. And again, shared my story. Hey, here's what's going on. And, and there was, and, and it was far more than I expected. I, I, I hit my goal. I think I was, I hit my goal with the business connections. Um, I think I was about $300 off. And of course my mom was the number one supporter. She's like, Hey, here's $200. And Oh, wow. I didn't expect that mom, but thank you. Um, and then my, my, my network, my network just came, came to the forefront and supported. And then again, with stories, Hey, I'm glad you're doing this. You have no idea, but I went through my own bout, right? I started hearing these things and it became 
I won't, I, I won't, I don't know. Cathartic might be the wrong word for me, um, but it became this level of endearment that an appreciation that I have for the people around me who are still here and able to tell their stories of their experiences just by virtue of me saying, here I am as, as a supporter. Here I am with the bullhorn and the megaphone. And, and it, was, it, was, it was pretty amazing, I would say. That is pretty impactful. And it, but it's, it really shows, especially during a pandemic when we're all closeted in our homes, the power of how we can use technology and social media. Um, not, not everyone wears their cancer on their, their arm like I do with my, my pink ribbon boxing glove tattoos and, and talks about it all day long. There are, there are people who kind of keep it more private and that's fine for me. I'm just like, tell the whole world. And if it makes, if it helps anybody, that's what I'm here to do. And you were able to allow people to share their stories by being part of this campaign. And that, that's pretty amazing. Do you, did they tell you at the American Cancer Society, what, like, where do these funds go for? Do they go for like, are they separated into like a male cancer or a female cancer bucket, or it just goes into their big overall, like, here's our money. Oh. It, it, it isn't separated. Um, it, it goes towards their efforts, um, and it goes. A lot of it goes towards, you know, housing individuals when when they are diagnosed and are going through through their process. Um, it goes towards helping um, individuals who have been diagnosed with with um, bill payments, right? Because of course, you know, this this is something. It, it can stop you in your tracks. Um, and then also a portion goes to, to research and continue to research through the American Skin Society in, in total. So there's a, a plethora of different branches um, the, the funds go, go to. And please forgive me if I am, am butchering the explanation um, or I'm not spot on. <laughs> oh, no, I get it. And listeners, if you want more information, go to cancer.org and, the, you know, you can find so much information there. You can search for Real Men Wear Pink campaign and search for research. And I'm sure they will give you breakdowns of where all the, where all the funds go. Um, so we talked a little bit about how I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so, some days, yes, some days, no. And my brain goes, wee. Uh, um while you were going through this, did you meet any men who had gone through breast cancer? One individual was also in And it wasn't until the culmination event um, in which I met him. So we would meet up monthly just uh, because the sponsor was a human being here in Oregon. Um, and so we would meet up at a human being on one, one Friday. And I think it was for about four months prior to October. And then there was to be a culmination event to take place, but got derailed. Well, not derailed, but pivoted into being a, a, a Zoom, an online event, um, in which we there was a cocktail because one of the ambassadors is also a, 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 um, a bartender, right? Even a mixologist. <laughs> yes, a mixologist. So, um, it was, it was a great experience. And of course it came with a photo shoot for those people who like to be in front of the camera. I prefer to be behind the camera, but it was a fun time. Um, and even, even another connection, right? The, the photographer was Melissa Williams and just getting to get out with her and get in front of the camera and have some fun and goof off a little bit and, and, and freeze a moment 
was was pretty spectacular and special in itself. And then there was a calendar. So I made the calendar, um, nice. which was also nice, you know, but but all for the cause, right? It very, it, it, this honestly had nothing to do with me and it had everything to do with, with the message and, and the cause we were all there for. Now, male breast cancer does have somewhat of a stigma to it because it is primarily a female disease and many who suffer from it, they, they kind of do it in the shadows because there is still a bit of shame associated with it and embarrassment. And there are people out there who say they have chest cancer, which I'm like, really? <laughs> um, it's call, call it what it is. And we're, we're all trying to do and, and help, but what do you think are good ways to to kind of get out of that stigma? How do we move forward to make this a more well-known thing that we really need to take care of? That's, that's such a tough question, right? Um, because stigmatisms have, have so many attachments to them. Um, you know, personally, I would love to say, stop using the connotations of words in order to, to associate to them. We all have breasts, male, female, doesn't matter. You, you have breasts, we have breasts. They, they may vary in size or in musculature, but they are still called breasts. So getting rid of the stigma of only women have breasts versus men, right, is, is ignorant on so many levels. And, and it's an immaturity that causes us to do so. So first and foremost, that, but then we talked about it, you know, and I talked about it myself. It's this, it's, it's embarrassing whether it's cancer, if it's something that ails me, if it's something that shows me less than, I don't want anyone to know. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go through this. And I'm going to figure it out. And if I don't, then I'm just going to curl up here. Right. But some people like yourself are more vocal about how they share and how they offer. So it's a little bit of understanding of, of, both realms and even the one that may be in the middle you know some people will share with others but not with some but not with others and so what i do is i just try to educate my sons and the people around me on being the best version of yourself you can possibly be and making sure you rely on the strength of your network and the support of your network no one will know what you're going through if you don't share it with them and to expect them to know what you're going through is unfair to them if you haven't shared it with them and so, you know, open communication is number one and first and foremost, probably communicate openly, and especially with those who love you, right? Those it's <clears throat> that friend, again, that childhood friend, um, he has a family member now who's battling cancer and he's doing it to the same tune. He's doing it secretly mm -hmm. and he's almost given up. And obviously he has a point of view because he went through this as a 14 year old. And now he's looking at it, he's like, if you give up, you're being selfish. His cousin has a son. What are you saying to your son about how he should live his life and about your space, your occupation in his life, if you give up and don't fight, right? Cool. So sometimes the only way over is through, but you know, if you want to go, you know, there's an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go together. And, and it's the okay. same. I think the analogy is appropriate, right? It's, I mean, it is definitely well known. And I, I just had a friend who went through a, a different kind of trauma, but it, 
excruciatingly awful. And I, I've encouraged her to go find support of others who've gone through the situation because sharing your experiences will 99% of the time ease your burden. And while you can't share your disease with someone or your, your treatment time, but you can share the emotions and allow them to help lift you up. So we do need to take another break, but I, we definitely have more to talk about when we come back. So listeners, please stay with us. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org or send me your story and I can read it. Or if you would like to sponsor an episode, please email me as well. So stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. I'm Claire Paxman, brand ambassador for Paxman Scout Cooling. Through my mom, I experienced the detrimental impact that hair loss during cancer treatment can have on someone's sense of identity. I am passionate in spreading the word about how scalp cooling can help those going through chemo treatment to retain hair and to gain a degree of control at this most difficult time in their lives. Listen in to the Breast Friends Cancer Support Network, Wednesday at 9am Pacific, March the 2nd, 2022, and hear more about how you can address this devastating side effect. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to michellebeck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle, and my guest here is Will, and we've been talking about Will's time as an ambassador for the Real Men Wear Pink campaign for the American Cancer Society. And we're going to, Will, I want to talk to you some questions about probably something that I have no business discussing, but I do want to bring it up because as a, a black man in the breast cancer community, it is very well known that there are huge disparities in the care and treatment for people of color in, in dealing with cancers overall. Did you witness that or have any stories as you were doing your fundraising? 
I've I've seen first of all, of course you have you you have business speaking about this, right? And asking the question, number one, first and foremost, right? Because again, it goes back to that community. If we don't have the conversation, how can we get to a solution, right? Um and there are so many ways to look at this. And, and again, going back to when you aren't given much, there's nothing in return, right? <laughs> but there are some disparities and there are socioeconomics that are involved in these disparities. There, this is such a tough question because it's, it's not, I will not do it justice in a 30 second answer, but the short of the answer is, no, I didn't come across anyone who have, who shared any stories about this, but of course, growing up in communities that have very limited resources, you are always, you always run the risk of not being able to receive the necessary full treatment um, you could. I, growing up, I, I worked for, I was a patient escort in Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital. Mm-hmm. One of the right. premier cancer centers in the country. Mm-hmm. And it was again, that childhood friend who got me the job. So he became, he was a patient who became an employee. Um, and he got me a job as a patient escort. So I saw cancer from a very different vantage point, um, showing up to work every day, you know, um, shuttling people back and forth to radiation or, or wherever they had to go in the hospital from their rooms. And, and I can tell you, you know, of course there was a disparity in terms of ethnicity Mm -hmm. and much of that has to do with what is afforded to us. Right. When you have, when you're faced with poverty, the idea of healthcare that provides this, I, I would say, existential coverage, um, as I'm learning now, right, there's, there's all types of, of, of um, subsequent coverage, medical coverage that you can get, and cancer being one of them, right, um, if you aren't, haven't been diagnosed already. So this information isn't privy to you when you are just trying to survive. Right, you're just trying to get food on the table and pay your rent. Right, and so naturally when something like this happens and you go somewhere that doesn't have the resources because they're over inundated with these other traumas that show up on a daily basis that are a result of the community, mm-hmm. then you are less likely to get the necessary help or support you need. And, and so historically we know this is a fact and we know this is an issue in, within the country as it become, as it relates to the divide right the common divide the haves versus the have nots and it's evident across the board um mm-hmm. my friend ha- you know he's a survivor right he's a survivor and he looks like me so it's not to say that it is impossible but there are some stories there are some some unfortunate stories and tales of individuals who have lost a loved one um, or have been lost themselves as a result of not being able to receive the proper care and treatment. And, and yes, maybe I misspoke that I shouldn't be talking about it, but I, 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 as I, as I age and I grow, I'm, I'm, I'm 50 and I'm still learning things and trying to teach my son things that I never learned as a child about how it used to be like, Oh, well, we don't see color. I'm like, no, we see color and we appreciate it. And we, we talk about it and we learn and I think that's something that we really need to do in the people of color community for cancers, but just overall, because as a country, we're, this is episodes of shows that I am not qualified to talk about, but about our systemic racism that we just need to burn the whole country down and start over again. But, <laughs> with you. With you. Um, 
<laughs> I, I can focus on breast cancer. That's what I can do. And, you know, that's why I've got you here today. So thank you for being here to talk about this. Um, now, this was something that you did in 2021. And that's when back when we met, do you still, while you're not out there fundraising, is it still something that you is on the top of your mind? It always is. Um, and, and the reason being is because you know, I, I, I talk to my friend every, I, you know, mm-hmm. weekly, right. We, we now, we no longer live in the same place. He's in Texas. I'm in Oregon. Um, I have other friends um, in Florida, right. It, no matter where I go, I can literally point to someone and trace the effects of cancer within that individual's family or household. And so it's always prevalent in the forefront of my mind and understanding, right? And even going back to understanding, what gives me the gumption and and the wherewithal to talk about breast cancer, right? You know, it's this, it's a female laden disease, but it's not true. You know, we are all affected by this thing. And the idea of having a conversation and continuing to raise awareness and make individuals aware or bring individuals, awareness to individuals who may think, oh, not me, not my family, not my household. Right. Until it is your family and you and your household. Exactly. Right. And and that's usually how, how we, is how trauma happens, right? It does, it's not me until it is. And so I'm always constantly, and, and, you know, whether it's, I see a t-shirt or, you know, my socks with, with the pink ribbons on them, right? I, um, even in my former life, working with the KYAL Foundation and doing things that supported KYAL through through the collegiate circuit, um, you know, it's always been there. And when I sit and think and look at just how many touch points I have with cancer and and cancer support, um, and even that job that I had through college, right, while trying to play basketball, mm-hmm. there's always this imprint of this deadly disease, this disgusting disease that we're trying to figure out how to eradicate. And so I can't, you know, there's this, I don't want to be overly dramatic and say there's not a day, but I have constant reminders in my life and in my day to day of how important it is to continue to raise awareness and, and give support. Yeah. And that's why I do what I do. I, after I, I became a stay at home mom, cancer twice. My son was in school. And when, after I had my second time and I, I was kind of going through an identity crisis and I'm like, what do I do now? I'm, I'm a wife, a mother, a cancer survivor, former executive assistant for however many years. I'm like, well, now what? And cancer became my calling because I, I felt that whatever I could do to help others going after me was what I was supposed to do. And it's, I was on a support group last night helping newly diagnosed or in treatment women. And one of them asked, they're like, okay, you're five years out now. How is there ever a day where you don't think about it? I'm like, well, it's my job. So I think about it all the time, but personally it, there are, there are days that I don't think, oh my gosh, I'm a cancer survivor because like I've gotten to the point where like it has made me enjoy my life more. Life is much more precious. And I tell people, you know, I love you, you know, you're important to me and try to continue those connections because you don't know what is going to happen later today or tomorrow. And 
continuing to raise awareness for prevention early, you can't prevent it, but early detection, you know, being, being healthy, your wellness is so important. And it obviously has left, you know, your lifetime of dealing with it through your friend and the patient support, such an imprint on you that it continues to this day. I, I just commend you because, you know, they're, they're, you, you probably don't, right? You don't, not a day goes by where you don't think about it, but how you think about it does change, right? Yes. You know, how that, that mentality changes from, from, and we all do it, right? The imposter syndrome, what was me? Why did this happen to me? From this happened to me and you're evangelizing, you've turned it on its ear and now are helping others. And I commend you and I'm so appreciative of you inviting me on your platform in order to discuss. Well, thank you. What was your, what was the best experience or what was your, your good takeaway from your time on Real Men Wear Pink? Cool. My best experience was, was learning, learning about the walks of others. Hmm about being a sounding board of compassion for individuals who have had um, some harrowing experiences and even some hot and positive experiences as well, right? Just experience in general. But it opened up a level of conversation that otherwise probably wouldn't have come about. Um, and, and for that, and again, it goes back to that catharticism for, I believe for those people who are sharing with me, but also for me to a, to a sense as well, because to be able to have someone trust me enough to share something very personal in their lives was, was pretty eye-opening. And, and, um, and for me, a level of, of sincerity and, and empathy that I've just learned, right? I, I've just learned empathy within the last four or five years. And that's an entirely another story, but to have this thing pay, you know, pay itself forward, it sounds selfish of me to say, oh yeah, you know, tell me all your problems, but to be able to be a support or a pillar for someone who's sharing something that they've been through and be able to help them through that process is, I don't want to equate myself to what you do, but you know, I can understand from your point of view how you're able to go to a support group last night to help newly diagnosed individuals and then come here today and have this conversation and all of the things that you've done prior to getting here and what you will continue to do, right? It's, it's pretty amazing um, to be part of the process of empowerment and positivity. I, I love what I do. I'm not going to lie. There's, I love getting to talk to people who have been involved somehow in the cancer community and how they've taken this awful disease and turned it into something positive. Like, this is what we can do. This is how we can help others. And I, I commend you as well. It, it's not an easy thing to become an advocate to support something that is, you know, has a bit of a stigma around it, but what you're doing to promote the awareness and everything is, I, I applaud you as well. So slow clap. Um, do you have any, we're, we're almost out of time. So advice for listeners out there, male listeners, or, you know, those with male loved ones, which is everyone who might suspect that they have something that need to be checked because 
I, I'm using my husband as an example. He hates to go to the doctor. Hates it. It's like literally I have to like throw him in the car to get to do anything. So what advice do you have for that? But no, uh, the advice honestly is, you know, there, there, there could be so many things that are far, so much more detrimental. So why not give yourself a chance? So number one, there's nothing to be embarrassed by, right? Um, and so take solace in to who you are. Life is worth living, but you can only live it in order to make it worth it. Right, like <laughs> if you're not living, then the conversation is moved. Um, but take solace in yourself and do what's necessary, and don't think about yourself at all. Like your life does not. My life doesn't belong to me. When I decided to have children, my life then became that of those individuals who I'm trying to raise. Yep. And afford a better life than I had. Right. And and that's my moral and and intrinsic responsibility. Um, and so, and I would, I would encourage individuals to reach out, to talk to people. If you are going through something, right, there's, there's nothing like support and we all have trusted individuals. Those trusted individuals are trusted for a reason because we know they're going to be honest with us. We know that they're going to be, they're going to love us unconditionally and there are no parameters. So share with them and allow them to help us through at the same time. Um, and that's males and females, but for males, I keep wanting to say smash the patriarchy, right? It's not, me, but <laughs> I get it. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Well, that was the, 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 the perfect thing to go out on. And we are out of time. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your stories and what you have done to really help empower the breast cancer community and for men who are going through this as well. So thank you listeners. You can find out more information about will at perseverancemarketing.com. Is that correct? Perfect. And, um, go to cancer.org and you can research real men wear pink. So will once again, thank you. you. And listeners, if you are a loved one, need our services, please visit breastfriends.org, go to patient programs and see what we can do for you. You can make a donation there on our website or by texting BF radio to 41444 to ensure that no one goes through cancer alone. You can find us here on voice America or wherever you get your podcasts. And now you can watch all the new shows on the breast friends, YouTube channel. So please go and subscribe. You can go on and see Will and I chat in a way and um, his amazing picture of the New York subway in the background, which is a personal photo, which is great. So, and if you would like to nominate yourself, hi mom, hi son, um, to be my guest, you can email me at breast Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. We'll be back next week. <laughs> and remember we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.